This is the day the Lord has made. That's right. Wow. Very, very good. We have several families that are traveling this week uh, while the kids are on break. I hope and pray that you all had a very blessed Christmas and we're looking forward to a, a wonderful new year. Uh, you know, I always like to start off with some of the humorous and, and I read this and I thought, well, I'll share this with the church. There was a woman who decided that one of her New Year's goals, not resolutions, but one of her New Year's goals was going to pay off her credit card. So she calls up the credit card company and she says, hi, I made a resolution. I'm going to pay off my credit card. And uh, what's my balance? And they told her and she goes, great, do you take Visa? <laughs> Just think about that one for a minute. So, Also, I found some things that, you know, I love technology and it was talking about how we have become technology-minded as a society and I came up with eight quick points to know that we are living in a technology age. Number one, you accidentally enter your PIN number on your microwave. Number two, you haven't played solitaire with real cards in years. Number three, you have a list of 15 phone numbers to reach your family of three. Number four, you email the person who works in the cubicle next to you. Number five, the reason for not staying in touch with friends and family is that they don't have email addresses. Number six, you pull up in your own driveway and you use your cell phone to see if anyone's home to help you carry in the groceries. Number seven, every commercial on television has a website that has at the bottom of the screen. But number eight was my very best one, okay? I don't know if you'll relate to this or not. But leaving the house without your cell phone, which you didn't have for the first 20, 30, or 60 years of your life, is now cause for panic, and you turn around and go and get it. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, we survived all of that. I mean, I used to make trips, and I'd tell my kids, we didn't have cell phones back then, and my parents just didn't know where I would be for like three hours while I was on the highway. And now, we don't leave home without it. We're talking about new years, new technology, fast pace, everything changing. I don't know if you'll see one of those year in reviews, how everything is just flashing for you through the, the, the faces, the events, the, the storms, everything that's happened in 2013. And it talks about all of the changes that have taken place. You know, I was looking at three simple words that we celebrate during this time, and it's Happy New Year. Very common. We, we, we're very, that's, I mean, it's not anything that's out of the ordinary to us, but I really started looking at the word first, happy. Because if you've been with me for any period of time, I've always told you that happiness is always going to be based upon your circumstances. Joy is a part of your being that you are going to be joyful regardless of your circumstances. So happiness can come and go based upon things that are happening in your life. You get a, a Christmas bonus, you get happy. Um, you get your grades back from an exam, and you, you might not be happy. Um, things are going well in your family, happy. Things are not going well in your family, unhappy. So when we say Happy New Year, I started thinking about really the happiness of the New Year is based upon our circumstances. Right? I mean, let's think about this. If you've had a very difficult year, and I don't know if you've ever gone through a very difficult season, it's sometimes hard to be optimistic about the upcoming New Year. 
But if you've had a great new year, you're just so on fire and just zealous, and you're like, I know that 2014 is going to be better than 2013. A lot of it's based upon your circumstances. But what about people that have been going through the same things, routines, day in and day out, and not much is changing? When we talk about having a happy new year, although the calendar date is changing, are our circumstances going to be changing? You see, for our circumstances to change, for that happiness to, to come, we've got to see some change. But I don't know if you've ever been in a season where everything seems to stay the same. You're going through the routine. You're seeking, but you're not finding. You're looking, but you're not locating. And you go through, and sometimes you almost feel like it's a little bit of a desert season. It could be even a desert season in your spiritual life. It could be a desert season in your financial life. It could be a, a desert season in your relationships. And then all of a sudden we're throwing, have a happy new year. And the people that are going through that little bit of a season, I have a word for you today that I want to share with you. And it's going to be found in Isaiah 43, if you have your Bibles. But before we go into the passage, I want to give you a little background, because it's always important to read the background of why the writer was writing to the people, who was receiving that word in the, in the Bible, and what their situation was. We find out that in Isaiah's prophecy to the children of Israel, it came during a season while they're in captivity. They're in Babylon. Everything that they own had been taken away from them. Now, if you think you're having a bad year, let's, let's compare to what the children of Israel. They've been taken captive. They're living in a foreign land. Everything that they had had been taken away for, from them. They were homesick. They missed their traditions. They just wanted to be back in their own land. And Isaiah writes this word to them. In Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, this is what the word of the Lord tells us. Forget what has happened in the past, and do not dwell on the events from long ago. I am going to do something new. It's already happening. Don't you recognize it? I will clear away in the desert, and I will make rivers on dry land. That promise that is in God's word can also be our promise for today. There are times where you have to find, and as Chris and I have encouraged you over the years, you find a scripture, a passage that you stand on and say, God, your word will never fade away. Your word is the same. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you stand on a word, if you've been going through a dry spiritual season, if you feel like it's been a little bit of a desert season, not just in your, your walk with the Lord, but in, in your relationships or just your growth in general, stand on Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, Amen. that something new is going to happen. For us to see this newness of God, we have to be doing three things in our life, though. We have to get not only into the Word of God, but we have to be doing three things. And number one is, we have to stop looking back. We have to stop looking back, and we have to start looking forward. You see, you will never go forward always looking back. In business, in your relationships, in anything that you do, if you are constantly looking in the back, you are not going to go forward. Some of our best visionaries are people who are always pressing forward. Amen. We sometimes like to comfort ourselves in the past, though. That's a comforting place. We know that. That was very comfortable. It doesn't, it char it doesn't challenge us or, or create change. And we like to stay in those past. 
Under this point, though, looking back, there's two things I want us to look at. Number one is we have to forget our past victories. You say, what, Pastor Mark? Well, let's look at the children of Israel. They had a lot of victories prior to this time being exiled. They had been delivered out of Egypt. They had victory after victory. They walked in and, and captured Canaan land, and, and they were going through and, and uh, having all of the, the Lord go before them. They had a lot of great stories to be telling their children and grandchildren. They had precious memories, as my mom and dad used to say. They would always sing this word, a song, it was called Precious Memories, How They Linger. They would always look back on how times were so much better at that time. We tend to do that sometimes. We all have those, hey, when I was a kid, you know, my dad used to tell me how for a quarter he could take his, my mom out on a date, you know, and that was fine dining and transportation, and I'm like, for a quarter? But that was a lot of money back then. But in their memory, that was the best of times. But if you look through history, we've always had sin. There's always been horrible things happening. We just care not to remember that. We just remember some of the good memories. But God's not wanting us to constantly focus on those good memories. You see, Satan can keep you reliving the past so that you're not even in the present. It's a trick of the enemy. We like to visit the past, but you cannot live in the past. You have to live in the present, and you have to be looking for the future. You can't depend upon past victories to get you out of current situations. God is wanting to do something in your life now. God is wanting to do something in your life now. God is wanting to do something in your life now. Do you get this one point I'm trying to say? God is wanting to do something in our lives now, not in the past. If you get anything from this message, get this next sentence. Your future is not based on what God has done in your life in the past. Your future is based on what God is going to do in your life today. Right. A lot of us look back to the past, and it's something that we do this time of the year. We look back at the entire year. But you know what? God is already looking to 2014 and what he's wanting to do in us, in your life, in your family, in your work, in your relationships. New work. God is wanting to do something better. Amen. Haggai 2.9 says, This new house will be more glorious than the former, declares the Lord of armies. Amen. And in this place, I will give them peace, declares the Lord of armies. The second point of not looking back is forgetting our past failures. We cannot allow our past failures to continue to defeat us. There are times when we harbor those failures in our lives and they become standards in our lives. We're scared to make new relationships because of past hurts. We're scared to take new steps because we've been hurt in the past. We're scared to share an encouraging word with somebody because they rejected us in the past. You have to shake off the past. Right. And you have to ask God, what do you want for my future? Man. What is before me? And forget about what's behind me. If we look at this passage, the children of Israel had so many failures. Yeah. You know, they begged God to give them a land. Mm -hmm. Once they got the land, then they begged God to give them a king. Yeah. He gave them a king, and you know what the king did? Misled them. You know what? They begged God for a temple. And you know what he did? He allowed them to have a temple, and what did they do? They did idol worship. He blessed them with money. They misused it. Doesn't this sound a lot like the United States today? We are so free that freedom is now strangling us. Because everything's okay. Everything's okay. 
It's my right as an American. God gave them Jesus, and they rejected him. You see, the children of Israel didn't deserve, but God's grace and God's mercy. God's grace and God's mercy is always flowing, not only to the children of Israel, but to us. So no matter what your failure list is, if we want to take a, a, an 8.5 by 11, and probably me, I would need a booklet, and we want to go point by point on failures, but you'll see that God forgives us. God cleanses us and says, look, don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on, dwell on the failures of your past. Look to me. Look at what I want to do in your life today. But how many of us will spend a whole day just looking back on the year, thinking, oh, that was horrible. That didn't go the way I wanted it to happen. That wasn't the way I expected it. I really wanted more of this. We've got to look to what God is wanting to do in our lives today. God was not condemning them in this word. God was not condemning them. He was offering them encouragement and saying, forget the past. Look at what I want to do in your life. Yeah. Forget the past and look at what I want to do in your life. Don't worry about your past failures. And God is wanting us to come to an area of repentance. That's what the children of Israel were being offered. Repent from your sins. That's why they were in Babylon is because they had sinned and turned their back to God. And he allowed Babylon to come in and take them away. Maybe Satan has come in and taken something away from you because of sin. Maybe there's some things in our lives that we really need to look at and review and ask God, is there anything in my life that I need to repent? You see, repent is not a really popular word today. We don't work that into, you know, hey, I left the coffee machine on. I'm going to go and repent because of that. It's not something that we really use because it's kind of like a heavy word. You know what I'm saying? It's a heavy word. It's a good word. Are you ready to repent from that? Wow. You know, the 1970s called. They want their word back. No, so we don't use that word a lot because it's not politically correct. You know, if you came to somebody and says, you know, I, I, Danny, I, I've repented for, from what I, I did or what I said to you. Man, there's some weight to that, isn't it? So we don't hear a lot of messages about repentance. David Crowder's not doing a lot of songs on repentance. Maybe he is, but you know, it's not like on the top 40 because we just don't like that word. But you know what? Repentance is always our way to getting back into where God wants us to be. We all kind of get off path every once in a while, and repentance is what brings us back into the right path with God. Yeah. He is always there 24-7 waiting for us to come to an area of repentance. That's right. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now and let us discuss this, says the Lord. Though your sins are bright red, Amen. they will become as white as snow. Praise God. And though they were dark red, they will become as white as wool. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let wicked people abandon their ways, and let, we, let evil people abandon their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord, and he will show compassion to them, and let them return to our God, because he will freely forgive them. Amen. These are about asking for forgiveness. But if you're saying, you know what, Pastor Mark, I, I see what you're saying, but I haven't had any major sins going on in my life, and yet I still feel like my life is just in a routine. I don't feel like I'm growing, but I'm not really sinning that much. Uh -huh. Proverbs 24:16 tells us that a righteous person may fall seven times, but he gets up again. 
However, in disaster, wicked people fall. What it's telling you is that no matter how good you think you are, there is still going to be a lot of temptations around you. And we're all going to fail. The nice thing about it is God allows us to get back up. God allows us to continue on. That's grace and that is mercy. Receiving something we don't deserve. And forgiveness, even though we continue in the same areas of sin. Second point is that we need to understand the present. In verse 19 of the passage I read to you, it says, I am going to do something new. Praise God. Can I get more than one praise God from that? Is anybody else ready for something new in God? I mean, are we all just so content in what we've had and that's all we want? Or do we want new? Have you ever gotten hungry for God? Have you ever gotten hungry for his presence? Have you ever gotten so hungry that it's almost consuming you that you're just trying to dwell? You have to be in this world, but you're like, God, I just want to be with you. And if it means just going for a long walk with God, go for a long walk with God. And just get everything cleared out and ask for forgiveness. But he says, I'm going to do something new and it's already happening and don't you recognize it. I will clear away in the desert and I will make rivers on dry land. He's saying that he is going to take the dryness and bring in life of water. Man, I'm ready. I am so ready. And here's the passage that I stand on. I said, God, I know that you're faithful to your word. See, I think when we take God's word and we apply it to our situation, we can make God smile. Absolutely. I know God's probably always smiling anyways, but I think we get a little extra. Wow, there's faith in action right there. They found a scripture they're standing on. They're reciting my word back to me. They're telling me my promises. I love that. And then they're saying, now let me show you what I'm going to do. Instead of murmuring and complaining about what God hasn't done or what we should have done or what other people have or haven't done, let's get into God's word and let's start declaring his promises about what we're believing for our families. Some of us need family members that need to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of them need a stronger relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean... Obviously, and, and you know that if the very first thing that happens, that house is so frail, it's almost like a house of cards, that if Satan were to go, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Pray that God would do something new in our family members. If you're totally fine and you're full of God and everything's great, then take this message and say, okay, God, who do I apply the scripture for as I start interceding for them? Amen. My son, my daughter, my coworker, my uncle, my aunt, my mom, my dad, my cousins, my neighbors, who can I be praying that God would do something new in? That there would be a revival in their spirit. That they would sense God. They would not only feel his presence, but they would see the manifestation of God's presence. There is something new that we as a church should be shouting hallelujah about. Many of us are standing in deserts. A desert can be anything symbolic here. A desert could be a person in your life. A desert could be a relationship in your life. A desert could be a sickness in your life. A desert could be depleted finances or resources. It could be a destroyed love relationship. It could be something that has been so overwhelming to you that it allows you to set a new standard of hopelessness. You say, oh, Pastor Mario, that's not me. Think about some areas that we've just kind of given up on 
because we didn't see God move when and the way we wanted him to move. Right. So we're like, we just don't talk about that. Is that a new level of hopelessness? Because right then you just limited God. Because what you're saying is that that circumstance is bigger than God. God is wanting to do a new thing. And transformation is coming to our desert. God is wanting to make the waste land into rivers of life. Amen. If you look up the Hebrew word here, in verse 19, the verb make means to turn something into something else. Now, it's interesting that the, the verb wasn't used to create a river in your desert. What the word is saying is, in the Hebrew text, it's going to take your desert and make that desert into your stream. Now, that ought to make you smile, because if you've got a really big desert, if it's been a really dry season in your life, you're intact for a really big flood of God's goodness. It's not, I will create a trickling brook for you. It's saying, you know what? You have gone through a very dry desert season, and I am about to make that into living water. Amen. Man, that's God's word right there in action. That's right. That's good. Turning it into living waters, transforming it into something else. How is this possible? We need to forget the past. We have to understand our present. And my third point is we have to start looking to the future. Mm-hmm. We have to start having eyes of faith of looking to the future. Amen. You see, you can look to see, if I ask Randy, what do you think 2014 is going to be like? We can have a great conversation. If I wanted a youthful perspective, i say, Corey, what do you think 2014 is going to be like? We'd have a great conversation. But we have to put on the eyes of faith and get into God's word and say, God, what are you speaking about 2014? Not the weather conditions or the economy or the Dow Jones or the stock. God, what is 2014 to be? Amen. Once again, in verse 19, it was saying that he's going to do something new and it's already happening. God wants you to lift your head. Amen. You know one thing is if you're ever in a desert season, I'm just speaking this from my own example, I tend not to be looking up, I tend to be looking down. I don't know why. And when you're looking down, all you see is desert, sand everywhere. I grew up in Florida, I know what sand looks like. And sand just everywhere. And what this is telling us to do is to start looking up, looking outward, looking to your future where God's wanting to take you, not looking to your past, but looking to your future. You say, but Pastor Mark, I know this person. I know the way they think. You know what? I know what God has planned. Amen. We have to start looking to the future and discovering what he wants to see. A great passage that shares that where you are is not where God wants you to be is when Abraham and Lot, Abraham and Lot, Lot's his his nephew, they start to, God is blessing both of them. And uh, their, their families are, are getting, I don't know if you've ever lived with family members in your house, but you know, it gets a little crowded every once in a while, you know. Somebody leaves the bathroom, not the way you'd like for it to be. Just, you know, just little things that irritate us. And Lot and Abraham are saying, you know what, I think we need to take our tribes and kind of split. You know, I still love you, but I'm going to love you at a little bit of a distance. All right? 
Now, Abraham, being the classy person he is, says, Lot, you know what? Wayne, I'm going to let you choose, okay? You get to choose. Now, on one side is this beautiful, lush, green pastures, and on the other side is this kind of desert, barren area. So he lets Lot choose. And lo and behold, guess what Lot chooses? The green area, right? I mean, you all have read through Genesis before. Yeah. So Abram's like, okay. Now, the desert area, their livelihood was from their, their flocks. You know, they didn't have a Wendy's drive-through. They had to eat. They had to get water. They had to produce the food for the whole clan, okay? You think you're feeding for a lot. Try a clan of people. And they're all looking to Abraham. They're all looking to Lot. Provide for me. It's like when all your teenagers come around the table. Hey, what's for supper? You know? They're not asking, hey, what can I run down to the grocery store and get and prepare for you? They just want to know, what's for supper? <laughs> they're at the table. They're wanting it now. Especially if they're boys. Especially if they're boys. <laughs> but Abraham's thinking, how am I going to feed my cattle? How am I going to take care of my sheep? Genesis verses 13, uh, chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. And after Lot left, the Lord said to Abram, Look north, south, east, and west of where you are, and I will give you all the land you see to you and to your descendants for an indefinite period of time. You see, Abraham may have been left right then with a, a desert, but that wasn't his future. You see, God was saying, look, every direction, and that included the beautiful area that Lot took. But look, every direction, this is what I'm going to give to you. Don't look at your current situation. I know your current situation. But I want you to start looking every direction and seeing what I'm about to bless you with. See, you may feel like you're in a desert season right now. You may feel dry spiritually. You may feel dry in your relationships. You may feel dry in your finances. You haven't seen any breakthrough. Things that you've been believing for just hasn't happened. And what God's saying is, look, where you are is not where you're going to be staying. Look around. Look around. But you know what he's waiting for us to do is to start standing on his word and saying, God, I'm ready to receive that. God, I'm ready. I'm ready for breakthrough. I'm ready for all of this to happen. I am believing that 2014 is going to be my best year ever. Can that be your confession? That 2014 is going to be your best year ever? And not based upon what you think because of your work or, or, or whatever happens. See, what happens when we start basing it on that, we're not basing it on faith. Yeah. We walk by faith and not by sight. A lot of us have been walking by sight and not by faith. And wouldn't it be great to start proclaiming that 2014 is going to be a banner year? Amen. And what on that banner are you going to write? What are you believing for in breakthrough? Would you close your eyes? I normally lead you in a prayer, but I recognize everyone here today. And if you need for me to lead you in that prayer separately, just come see me after service. But right now, I'd like for you to start just looking and thinking about 2014. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19 says, Forget the past, 
Behold, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to turn your desert wasteland into waters. Can't you see it coming? What is it that you'd like to see God do in 2014? Is there a relationship you'd like to see restored? Is there healing in your body that you would like to take place? Is there promotion in your workplace? Are we really willing to be honest with God and say, God, 2013 was great or 2013 was bad or 2013 was okay, but I'm ready for so much more of you. I'm ready for more of your presence. I want to feel your peace like I've never experienced your peace before. God, I, I want to experience joy like Pastor Mark was talking about and not having it based upon my circumstances. That no matter what happens in 2014, I'd like to have a joyful spirit. Lord, would you restore my smile back after the years of sadness? What is in your heart today? I'm not asking you to create a wish list. I'm asking you to start activating your faith getting into God's word and finding a scripture or a passage that deals with that healing or that restoration or that breakthrough or that new level of relationship with God. That's what we as a church should be praying and searching for. God is wanting to promise us something new. But first he wants us to stop looking at our past. He wants us to look at our present. Repent of anything that's in our present right now that's causing him not to be able to do and move in our lives. And then he's wanting us to put on the eyes of faith and look to the future. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful family. And I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness in 2013, Lord. We are so blessed to live in a wonderful country, to have the freedoms to express and love. But Father, I ask that you would make our 2014 a year of your presence. May our country, our nation, our world see more of you through those who confess to be born-again Christians. May revival break forth in our, our churches and our homes. May our children turn away from the things of this world and turn to you and hunger and thirst after more of you. May you open our eyes to what you see. May you open our ears to what we need to hear. May you open our hearts to care. May you open our wallets to give. Father, we know that nothing is impossible. And your word says that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. I pray, God, that you would bless this congregation. That 2014 would be that year of abundance. That 2014 would be that year of breakthrough. That 2014 would be the year that we see those loved ones coming into that relationship that we would love for them to have. Open our eyes and our hearts 
to experiencing you like we have never experienced you before. May we recognize your favor each day. May we give thanks to you each day for your goodness. May we not take you for granted, God. May we seek you in every decision we make. And may we hunger after you more than anything that this world has to offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. It's a good place to start. Read it. See where God takes you. I want you to have a happy new year, but I'd rather you have a joyful new year. Joyful is something that the devil can't take away from you. So I pray that you have a joyful new year. Would you stand? I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. One of the nice things that might make you joyful is that we don't have to tear down today. There's a little joy. Or is that happiness? <laughs> so may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much.